Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? All right. Welcome to another episode of Audience First. As always, I have a very special guest with me today. I have the one and only Justin Merhoff with me. Welcome to the show, Justin. Hi, Danny. I am officially a fanboy, so thank you for uh, welcoming me. Love it. Welcoming me. I'm even fumbling my words, so it's, it's cool to be here. Well, Listener, we're not... first time caller. We're not strangers. We're not strangers. You've been following, no. although you've been, you know, contributing to some of the customer research work we've been doing. So that's that's awesome. Fair enough. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank well, welcome. Absolutely excited to have you here. So let's uh, let's dig in, shall we? Yep. All right, Justin. Tell me, who are you? What do you do? And why the hell do you do it? So, up to twenty five. For 25 years, I thought I was a cybersecurity professional trying to become a CISO by the time I'm 50, 44. So I've been trying to get series of positions to set myself up for that. And I was turned down for directorship twice. The first time I got turned down, it was because I didn't have a college degree, so I went and got one. Second time I was turned down, I was told that I wasn't director material. My whole world flipped because I'm doing director of security and running a security program for an accessibility software company. So that changes a lot of things. So now my passion is obviously my family. My passion is cybersecurity. I really want to impact our field, but I want to impact it to help accessibility in any way I can. It seems like you really found your niche with DQ. Yes, right. Why is that similar to, well, I think, so there, there's research about the combination of accessibility and security and inclusion goes back to two, 2017, but it's mainly in research papers. It wasn't a lot, but then back and forth, different topics have, have happened. So I think it's, I think it's, it's lack of a, if I ask it, yeah, there's lack of awareness right now. Um, I, I forgot where we were going. <laughs> Sorry. So you 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 mentioned that you want to impact the security industry, um, right? With regards to accessibility as well, and DQ is an accessibility uh, startup, right? Um, helping. Well, not a start. So we've been around since '99. Got you. Okay. We're the leader in accessibility. So I was brought on just to be the director and to run the security program. That's where I was going. So now. But I found in doing that, I want to reach all of my base. Well, how can I do that if I don't have security awareness training and the tools to do that that is accessible? Because most of the tooling that we have in our industry are not. It's not accessible. So I'm kind of in a similar situation, not exactly, but of when I talked to you about earlier in uh, when we were talking earlier this week 
about FedRAMP because I, in my last position, I was, I was, I could only use certain software that had a certain jet, uh, FedRAMP authorization. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm doing that now, but I think it's for good because what it has taught me is that we, I was not communicating and securing everyone that I was supposed to when I was at my last positions. There's no mm -hmm. way I could, there's no way I was with 18,000 people at an enterprise company with inaccessible software. How was everyone getting security awareness training? Right. And then if the solutions were giving them, right, if the uh, password, uh, password managers, you know, the different solutions that we give out to the, to the organization, if those aren't accessible and they need someone else to help them enter in a password because what you bought, they don't even know where the user, the username and password part is because they're a screen reader user and the software wasn't set up to identify that properly. So they have to have someone else come. So now trust has been broken mm -hmm. because someone else has seen your company's employee's password, be it a family member, be it another employee, being an online service to help um, guide them because that's around now too. I love this conversation and you're taking me down a rabbit hole. I'm not even going to get to, I'm not even going to get to some of the questions I wanted to ask in the beginning, which Go is totally it. fine because you've opened up, you know, some really nice um, points that I want to touch on. And Go for before, it. before we actually hit record, you mentioned something compelling. You said that, you know, sometimes you have to even relay uh, uh, and talk to um, CISOs about the importance of accessibility. So I do yes. want to know, um, how do, you know, stakeholders within your organization and across the industry react to, uh, the intertwining of accessibility and security in products, in services, in solutions? Uh, so I'll start the first part. You said my company, and then you, you said like, as I the see industry. as it, it is. Okay. So they, my company and people that are in the accessibility world for the most part feel completely left behind. Mo there are some security tooling that is accessible. So I have to give credit to that, but it's very few and far between. Mm -hmm. Most of the solutions that we push out are not accessible. What is an accessible security solution or what so, is, <clears throat> what is accessible security? So, Right now, because things are always changing, accessibility changes just like security. So the international standard are the WCAG guidelines and the current ones that most are to go off of is WCAG 2.1 A, And it gives you a set of guidelines when you are develop you're designing and developing web-based products. Mm -hmm. And at, if you follow those, those, it doesn't necessarily, if you follow those hundred percent, you know, cause that's the other misnomer we're used to hitting a mark on security. It's a yes or no, we got the cert or not. Right. That's, but in reality, are you truly secure? Right. You get my point. Like, even though you have the certification, are you truly depends on the point in time. Right. So as things change, 
so does accessibility. So you, all, you, you constantly have to keep it. But I'm gonna give examples, but it's very wide. Mm -hmm. So accessibility definitely means for screen reader users. So if you're blind, there are, um, there's a, a, assistive technologies that can run and, but they have to be able to see everything on the screen. So let me give you an example. So if you're looking at a, just a common web page that has, you know, the home, the, the tabs up on top and the information on the bottom, right. And, you know, different pages, whatever. So if screen reader is going to that page, try to imagine that it's going to go to, it depends on how it's built. So if it's built hierarchically correctly, mm -hmm. it'll read just like your eyes would. Mm -hmm. Right. But remember, you don't have the ability to look around and decide where you're going. You have to read the whole page. So if it starts at the top and you didn't code it right, and it goes from the home bar to paragraph three to the left bar up here to the login top because you didn't code it right, imagine how that would be if you're, you're even in sight, like, why is it doing that? Why, why is it jumping around? Right. Right. And then if you have the website to refresh too often, then the whole thing starts again. Mm -hmm. So then they have to go back. So they've already read, Oh, I finally got there and whoop back up to the top. Yeah. And that's even so. And then like I was talking about earlier, you have the logins. If they don't know where, you know how sometimes you'll go to a login and most of the time you'll, it'll say username on one side, you know, on a part and then password. Yep. But a lot of times they'll be baked in to the element. Mm -hmm. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Where you actually will enter in the password, but it's kind of like grayed out. Well, mm -hmm. how's the screen reader supposed to see that? Yeah. So now they don't even know where to log in. Mm -hmm. So Danny, you need to come help me. Can you log in? Because my screen reader, I, I cannot find the freaking username and password. Mm -hmm. Wife, friend, colleague. Okay. And, and this is where I disagree with the CISOs that say this is an HR problem. That transaction right there happens every day at most organizations, even when they have assistive technologies, because most of the software that you're interacting with is not. You are having potential breaches of security daily, and it's going right under your nose. Mm. That's what blew me away. Mm -hmm. Because the whole point of this is to protect the whole organization and, and make sure that they're trained, right? Right. Well, <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't thinking about that. And I wasn't either. Let, let, me, let me be very clear. I am not pointing fingers. Yeah. Well, okay. So you mentioned that um, CISOs see this as an A. Some CISOs see this as an some, HR problem. Some. some yes. yes. I will mention some. But I want to go back to that. Uh, the original question is, is how, um, how do other CISOs and other stakeholders across the industry oh, right. react to, to, you know, accessibility and security. So you mentioned some don't see it as an issue. Well, let's dig into that a little bit more. Don't let me detract you to, to your, oh. your train of thought because you had something burning to say. I have a, most of them, it clicks. Okay. 
the second they it it gets in their head or that, that it connects that they haven't been covering everyone that security the i mean i know it sounds a little late like the protector like the like wait i thought i was doing this mm-hmm. i did everything right but i just marginalized a group that i didn't and i'm not doing it on purpose mm-hmm. and i and i know what ask what i'm asking about seems like it's hard so and that's the other thing is you um you know they're gonna have to recode it i understand yeah. that but just like security we want security be to be by design so why can't accessibility and why can't it just all be design yeah you know what i mean like they should all be a part of the same thing but yeah. no a lot of them danny i've talked to and even while we're in the call, like sometimes when I've had like one-on-one conversations with CISOs, it doesn't take long. Most of them get it and have been very receptive. It's some, I just think it, they just need to see it from a different angle. And um, sneak peek, uh, one of your uh, former guests podcast, or uh, yeah, one of your past guests uh, podcast is going to be interviewing um, Emily Keel, who the story I talked about where the student was trying to get into digital forensics and couldn't even start day one because none of the tool, none of the tooling is accessible. So she paid for a college course mm-hmm. and didn't even get to do it. She can't even get into our industry. My goodness. Well, okay. So let's let's try and figure Sorry, out. Sorry, it's how layered. To... There's a lot no, of layers. I, no, but this is the whole <laughs> point of the conversation and why I yeah. said the, the the conversation will be fluid because I know this would have opened up a lot of different um, topics of conversation yeah. and challenges. W- what do we need to do to kind of solve for that challenge of, of breaking into the industry when it comes to accessibility? Like what would have helped Emily so break awareness in? And first. What, yeah. Awareness first, but I have the plan to do this. And I'll give it away for free. There you go. If the companies make their tooling accessible, you can then fulfill the requirements at the colleges to have options that are accessible. So you will already be beating out your competition because they probably aren't going to do it. So that's one. Then you're going to have a loyal customer base because I'll go ahead and say it. If you ask anyone about security and accessibility, most of them will talk to you about Cloudflare and save your opinions about the tool. But I'm just proving the point that if if it is accessible to them, they will get onto it and completely support it because that's all that they have. So give them more options. Mm -hmm. I challenge them. Like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could go down a whole rabbit hole. <laughs> well, so so like, are there any like, okay, so we talked about awareness. Great. What are some other, right. dis- you know, uh, descriptive steps that they can, uh, prescriptive steps that. Uh, oh, they I, went off the, to- I went off the topic. Yeah, no, no, I went off the topic. I'm, I'm here to bring Was, you back. Yeah, yeah I, and I love it. So take that opportunity, make the tools accessible, get them into the colleges, right? You see where this works? And then they're going to learn your tool. Then they're going to want it at their job because they're they're loyalists to the tool. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's going to take a little bit of time. But I mean, that's one way. And not just at universities. Think of all of the workshops and different LMSs online 
and the different training that could be made accessible. Well, the mm -hmm. training could be made accessible, but if the tools that we're teaching them aren't, it does that's not fully making it accessible, right? Mm -hmm. So we would also have to make those tools so that work with the 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 tooling companies need to to also work with the education companies. I mean, if they want to be in the curriculum as options, right? The CompTIA's, the SANS trainings. I'm not just saying universities. This yeah. is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's one way. Yeah, no, 100%. We talked about this earlier this week, but I, I, I do want to understand um, when you evaluate any security tool or mm -hmm. solution. Yes. Or service. How do you ensure that they align with your goals and standards? And again, that, my assumption is that based on this conversation is that accessibility is a, a decision criteria. But what are what are some other what are some other qualifiers? Yeah, yeah, qualifiers. That so it, it would be it would be getting a VPAT, and I I should have already. So it's called a voluntary product accessibility template. Mm -hmm. And so they would get an assessment of their tool. I mean, from DQ would be nice, um, and get an assessment of their product, and then they can share that with their clients when they're asked is your tool accessible? And then they can see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they would need to do those annually because that's generally the requirement similar mm -hmm. to what we do in security. Because again, it's forever changing. Mm -hmm. And as tools change, you need to make sure that you're coding it, designing it and developing it securely mm -hmm. or accessibly, sorry, and securely. So that would be one. Um, and then looking at the WCAG guidelines, and then even just to start, utilize the free tools that are out there. I mean, we even provide some. Mm -hmm. Like, there's ways to at least get what what this is going to look like for you, if 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 you want to take this on. But I I really think everybody should. And to your for your research, there's a lot of people with money that want to get into cybersecurity and they can't until the tools are accessible. Mm -hmm. And the the other thing where, well, there's not a lot of request. Did everyone have to request the curb cutouts so that wheelchairs? I mean, everyone uses those now, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're on the street, we take advantage. You get where I'm going. Like if we make it accessible, it's going to help your product anyways. Mm -hmm. Like you're, it's not, it's not going to hurt it. Mm -hmm. Apart from any, uh, you know, apart from accessibility um, or lack of accessibility, really, what cardinal rules do you think security vendors, plus the marketers, the sales, what's above, below, and between, are breaking these days? Well, I was part of the problem. All right. Until Jason Carico, uh I listened to all that salesy stuff and then I reached out to him and he told me about um, WTF mm -hmm. and then about audience first. And I personally, you know, I want to be a better person and I want to be a forever learner. Well, I need to also do it then. And so when I learned about listening to what you guys were doing, um, I started doing it in practice 
and being a little bit more empathetic to the BDRs. Cause I understand from what Jason told me, cause I, I, I kind of assumed, but I didn't really know that a lot of times it's usually their first position. And if I'm just coming in hot to just someone that is just trying to do their job, I mean, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. And I also want to kind of do that for my security program. We should be advisors. We, we shouldn't be scaring people. We shouldn't be scaring the BDRs either. Like I could, I get keeping them honest. I'm not saying completely hug it out, yeah. but you can, you could still be nice. Mm -hmm. And there's times where I've had to reel it back, but since listening to what you guys have been talking about and the message you guys have been spreading, um, I've, I've been trying to apply it. What that's, that's one. I think we need to do our part. We need to be open to it because again, what if we do really want it? I applaud you for those who are listening. I am applauding. Okay. Yeah, I, I tell, I'll tell you I, why. I like, I like the description. No, Thank because you. it's, it's, oh yes, that was very accessible, wasn't it? It was accessible. <laughs> Bravo, Danny. I'll tell you why this excites me because, um, you know, I've made it my mission to help sales and marketing, not even sales and marketing, right. just really the startups, organizations, all functions within the organizations. And it, it's not a one-way street. In order no. to give, you know, you guys have to receive. And yep. now I have Joey from Friends. If you ever watched Friends or for any Friends fans out there, to give and to receive and to receive is to give. But what I'm trying to say is um, the practitioners, the buyers need to be open to that feedback as well. Right. Right. So yes. I, I, I do want to ask, what do, what is your advice for, for the buyers and the practitioners, those who are in your seat, right, and and other stakeholders, what is your advice to to become more empathetic and 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 open to giving feedback for BDRs, marketers, AEs, even founders who are trying to provide innovative solutions and accessible solutions for them? I think you do it, and you do, and this is not to kiss his ass, but you do it similarly to how Chris does it, but do it to how it fits you, right? Mm -hmm. Find the time that you're willing to dedicate and don't let it over set, set boundaries for yourself because you know, you still work for your company, you know, you're doing your main thing. Right. But this kind of stuff does help. We're helping the industry. Mm -hmm. We're helping each other. We're making, we're making connections while we're doing this mm -hmm. all, you know, all the while trying to help each other. Um, but, but I think setting fair guidelines and saying, Hey, you got to meet my criteria. Like, I'm not trying to be a jerk. Like, you know, I will talk to you on these times. This, this is what's available. You know, give them a Calendly link if you want. You know, that, that's getting very popular. And have it set for the times that you know you're available. And, you know, do your part to give that opportunity. But also, you know, keep it controlled. I think that's fair. Because mm -hmm. our jobs are already busy as it is. Right? right. But I still think we need to keep... The other thing, too... Sorry, I jumped into this, but no, you're good. Um, one of my past CISOs, I, I kind of had an old train of thought before meeting him where I was very brand, uh, brand loyal. And he was like, I get brand loyalty, but you need to keep them on their toes too. So fair enough, every two years, you could reevaluate them just like it's a new deal. 
right? Just to make sure you're not missing anything else that's out there, right? Things change, especially in two years, Mm -hmm. you know? So be open to the new technology that's out there. So take some of these calls. Mm -hmm. What, so I love this, uh, this next question. It's going to really help me and some clients out by the way, but (laughs) you mentioned brand loyalty Mm -hmm. and I know, you know, I'm, I'm a tool freak. I have my tools that I'm like Mm -hmm. a diehard fan of. I won't, I won't budge, but what would get you to skip over a tool you've been loyal to and onboard off board them and onboard something new. What is it? If that's it's accessible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If it's accessible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if you, if you want to completely flip all of DQ security tools, make your security tooling accessible. And I will talk to you. Mm-hmm. Who does I, a good job? I promise job. you that I'll talk to you. Who does a good job of this in your opinion? We, we, let's get some shout outs if we can, if you can recall any that, you know, without divulging anything private, obviously. In, in of who, who, who is handled. Well, can I tell you a call that didn't, uh, actually, no, uh, uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out. Um, let me pull up his thing real quick. I don't know if you want to cut this, but. No, let's bring it up live. Let's do it. His name's not LinkedIn. <laughs> <clears throat> trying to pull it up so this guy this his company i'm trying to pull it up um okay i found it so his name is harley sugarman and he is the founder and CEO at Cypher. Oh, there you go. And they're trying to make cyber. Uh, they're trying to make security awareness training that is eventually they're going to get to the part. Hope I'm not giving away anything. Eventually, it's going to hook in similarly to like. Have you heard of Secure Code Warrior, where it, it can connect to GitHub, and as they're making commits, it can show them training if they're doing things that are, it's unsecure. Oh, that's that's cool. So like in context. Yep. And then another thing that he showed me was, um, you know how a lot of training is, uh, teaching, teaching users at organizations to be weary of phishing, Mm -hmm. right. And what to look out for. Mm -hmm. Well, he took a different approach and part of the training, uh, one of the trainings that they have that he showed me, um, it walks you through built in a sense, building, a phishing email as a regular user and it gives you four options on each thing. Like which one of these email addresses would, would fake someone out the most mm. of these four. And it gives you a value. Mm-hmm. And I think it, you can even compete in teams while doing this. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's pretty cool. And when I talked to him, I said, well, the one thing that you're definitely going to have to deal with if you're going to be selling to enterprise companies Eventually, they're going to ask for security awareness training to be accessible. That's the first thing in our industry that's probably going to get flipped the, fir- the quickest mm-hmm. is the training. Mm-hmm. Be- 
that that's what hits, I would say that and, you know, password managers and different, you know, solutions that most of the organization uses, but I would say security awareness training would go first, mm -hmm. but he, he took it and was all ears and took, we'd had a whole 30 minute meeting. And I think we actually went over like a half an hour, at least, I think, I, I think it went over an hour. So that's what I'm open for. Mm -hmm. Like if there's people that want to hear about this, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Like, I just want you to become aware, mm -hmm. especially if you're in the design phase still of your product. I mean, it's the easiest time. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you haven't even gone, you know, live and you're still in the design development phase, it's way easier. Start, you know, start design it, uh, you know, accessibly and secure. Yep. All right. I want to shift over to mm -hmm. the segment that I love the most. Not that I it didn't have a great time. I'm having a great time so far. But this is my favorite oh, part. It's called the shit list, yep. the quick fire shit list. All right, let's talk about the worst thing you've experienced from a vendor. Go. I cannot wait to tell you this. Let's go. I'm sure you prepped. A vendor. I'm sure you prepped given all the stories on, on what the fuck. Yes, I did. So there was an AE from a very prominent security uh, solution firm. I will go that far. Um, all the people were on the call. We were waiting for one last person. It was talking about, you know, I think like POC status or something. You know, I forgot what stage we were at, but we were still evaluating. We hadn't decided. Mm -hmm. We were we were looking at them for something, uh, you know, against two other companies. I was doing three. <sighs> so the AE goes, I can't wait to get out of this call because my wife's five hot friends Kevin, you want to see him? Yeah. Let me do share my screen. Pulls up his wife's Facebook and shows us pictures of these people. The, the person that I work with and I were on this call, like we were like shocked. I just, I should have said something. I will be on. I probably should have called them out, but I was just so, we did not pick that product mm -hmm. based off of that. That was what, that was one of the main reasons. Well, there was another reason I won't share, but that was the main. Did, did you give end up giving feedback to the founders or, or any of the um, I went up to one person yeah. um, and gave it. I, I, I'll be honest. If I ever talked to the person again, I would tell him yeah. directly. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't at the time. I should have. There are so many things wrong with that. <laughs> Just. Oh man. So I, I guess really the alternative is that just don't do that. <laughs> That's the alternative. Right. Um, right. Well, let's, let's flip it on its head. Let's talk about the positive. What's one thing a vendor has done that made you feel good? What worked for you? Oh, Frisbees. We're seeing Frisbees now. What does that say? It's backwards though. Hold on. Trace Traceless IO. Trace Traceless IO. Shout out to Traceless IO. What's up with Traceless IO and why are we showing the Frisbee? So I did not end up going with their product. Okay. And what the kind of solution I was looking for was not what they had. There was a misunderstanding. It was partly on my fault. Okay. Right. And how it started was I said, Hey, I really do like your product. I like where you guys are going. <clears throat> it's traceless messaging. It's easy enough. I they, they could tell, tell you more if you have them on. Mm -hmm. But I said, I was like, Hey, I have my, my Yeti cup that I got for free from some other vendor. 
and I have some space open on it. You know, I know it's nothing, but I'd love to put the sticker on there. I mean, because I might use your product one day mm -hmm. and you guys handle this very well. I didn't come exactly prepared. There was a miscommunication, but you guys handled yourself very well. And, and I really liked the company, the CEO and the AE that was on. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, we have... We have the stickers, but we'd also like to send you a frisbee. Nice. Well, <clears throat> I my children, um, I have them split time, and I didn't get that until the last two years. And for a while, I only had them on summers. And my my son and I, even though he's sixteen and typical, um, you know, always not really close to parents. We we really aren't close. This came in and we threw this for like an hour and a half. And I probably talked to my son the most I've had in a long time. Wow. And now we're playing Frisbee golf together. Wow. We've already done two 18 rounds down the street. That's awesome. And now it's like our new thing when he comes. So that was uh, a good thing that a vendor did. And I didn't even buy him. Yeah. Well, there you go. And you're going to remember them also down the road. Oh, of course. Yeah. Literally down the road 100%. when you're throwing the fit. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And it's just a simple, it's just a simple token. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, shout out yeah. to Trace Lasayo. Yep. We'll hit them up and uh, let them know that you, you get, you drop them here in the, the podcast. That's awesome. awesome. Uh, you know, we're headed towards the end of the session. So I do want to know, are there any other insights or reflections that you have that you'd like to share with our audience today? If anyone wants to help on this and uh, and challenge me, if I'm wrong, tell, tell me how I can do this better. But I really think that we can do this. Um, we're blocking out a whole community as well. And we've been talking about spreading D&I around cybersecurity and trying to get more people into our industry. Mm -hmm. We should be open to that. And I'll, I'll speak on one last thing mm -hmm. that... It, that accessibility brought me to also is that there's a whole community of um, cybersecurity professionals in Africa that often get missed. And there's a lot of offshoring that goes to other countries. And I'm not saying that they don't support our companies well, but Africa often gets completely overlooked. Mm -hmm. There are options. There are, there are a lot of people that are trying to break into the industry, but there's no positions there. So they're, they literally have to leave their home country. Like I understand leaving a state, but imagine leaving your home country from Nigeria or South Africa and moving a to a completely different country just to get into cybersecurity. Mm. It shouldn't be like that. Yeah. So I know that's a even more like that's inclusion and that goes even further, but why? Like I, it, I, I, it doesn't make any logical sense. I understand it's probably more of the pay thing and those structures probably haven't been set up, but we're a global remote world now. Mm -hmm. Why can't someone in, I mean, there are companies in Pakistan, like why can't someone in Pakistan um, do cybersecurity? Like I understand you might, if you're not willing to take that risk, I'm not, I'm not judging you, right. but we're also blocking a lot of talent worldwide right? because um, we're not open to it. Mm -hmm. So. You know, those are very, very valid points. I'd love to dig into that on a separate episode and actually introduce you to some other podcasts that, um, you cool. know, touch on these issues. So please be on the lookout for some introductions. 
you know, where can people find you? So I'm on LinkedIn already. And then I had this, I thought I had this ready. Um, I don't really care if people connect with me. I'm trying to share the information for free, mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll, I'll give you two things. The one is there's a group that we built on LinkedIn that has a, pretty much most of the research that I used when I came up with the different talks and, and things that I have been doing. So I'll give you that. <clears throat> if that, and then, and then dq.com. I mean, if they, if they have software and they want to know more about how they can make their tools accessible, even if they're trying to build an accessibility program, we have consultant experts as well. Amazing. So if you do want to do that, come to us. And, and I'm telling you, I understand that people are waiting for it to be part of like SOC 2 or something. It's coming. And, and I'm just trying to help you guys be aware. I went 25 years, not pointing fingers. I want to help, help you guys get there. Amazing. So I can use some tools that are accessible so anyone could be in my role. Awesome. That's my goal. I love that. This is super insightful and very empowering. We're going to drop the links to some of the resources that you shared. Justin, you're always Thank welcome you. to the show. I mean, you're a dedicated, awesome. you know, listener and, 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 you know, WTF goer. So keep on with that. Um, I love your mission. Thank you again for joining today. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. This has been another episode of Audience First. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.